Starcourt Study Hall contains spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And this is Starcourt Study Hall. We are going to start today's episode off with something that I do understand before we segue into things that I don't understand. I'm going to start today off again with just a reminder that we are doing a Battle of Starcourt watch party on Friday, September 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern in our Discord. Woo! I understand that. Um, Same. Thoroughly. It's not hard <laughs> to wrap my brain around. I get it. I know what's going on. I know we're going to be there. We're going to watch Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Not a lot to not understand. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. That is the plan. So now we're going to get into the things that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to try. And I did my very best. And I think that's all that matters. It is. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> I agree. Uh, all right. Today on Starcourt Study Hall, we are going to talk about Plank's Constant. And today you have turned on a podcast where a person who was in remedial math in college is going to teach you about the, and quote, fundamental physical constant characteristic of the mathematical formulations of quantum mechanics which describes the behavior of particles and waves on the atomic scale including the particle aspect of light my eyes are already glazing over <laughs> please do not fall asleep no not during in the sleepy this way. presentation like in the in the i'm afraid my brain's gonna leak out my ears way yeah, we don't know what she just said, but she did just say some words together in a sentence. She now, sure did. I would like to piggyback off of that and say, if you have no interest in becoming a physicist within the next hour, please turn off this podcast, because that's what we're all about to do. We are going to talk about Planck's constant. Why? Because we must. We had a direct order delegation from the mind flayer the boss himself said you must discuss planks constant you have committed to doing a podcast called starcourt study hall where we study and boy did she study so here we go (laughs) thanks boss I must start off by saying I have tried to simplify this as much as possible not only for you all but also for myself and for Amanda (laughs) I consider us to be pretty smart people. I do, although I would like to add that I was also in remedial math in college, so we're not off to a great start. (laughs) This should be good. (laughs) By remedial math, like, I placed into one plus one equals two my freshman year of college. Yeah, like, I before I was allowed to take credit-bearing math courses, I had to make it through a pass-fail course. I had to make it through two pass-fail courses <laughs> before I could take a credit-bearing math course. Oh, no. And the only reason I jumped the second one was because Nick taught me algebra. Wow. Yep. 
So maybe Nick should be doing this and not me, but here we are. (laughs) All right. We are going to take a walk through electromagnetism, quantum mechanics, and physics, and we are going to start at the beginning. Buffle. (laughs) Buffle. Buffle up. Buffle up, people. Buffle up, everyone. Get your spinal cord in order. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. I want to say that you cannot understand Planck's constant without understanding some other scientific concepts. We cannot just discuss Planck's constant. I tried. I tried deeply. It did not work because every time I looked at it, I had to Google something else to figure out what that was. That's how the Many Worlds episode felt, too. (laughs) So as you can see from the definition above, it just doesn't make sense to the average person. So let's get right into it no time to lose yes the time is now so let's start with stranger things i think that's something that we can all understand we get our first reference to planck's constant in chapter seven of season three the bite murray and alexi are discussing the two keys needed to disable the one massive key (laughs) and these two keys are located in a vault in the underground russian facility and the vault requires a passcode planck's constant now, in this chapter, Murray describes Planck constant as a very famous number, and that's it. That's it. That's the episode, <laughs> kids. That's what Planck's constant is. It is a very famous number. Wow. That's it. That's all it is. So our next reference to Planck's constant comes in the final chapter of season three, The Battle of Starcourt. And Dustin calls Susie to find out what Planck's constant actually is, but she won't hand it over unless he duets with her. Because poor Susie doesn't understand the stakes. She doesn't know what's going on. She's just like, I haven't heard from you for a week. Sing to me, Paolo. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, after they duet the never-ending story, Susie reveals Plank's constant to Dustin. Plank's constant is 6.626070004. Period. Easy. Easy peasy. Yeah. It's not easy peasy at all. No, it is not. And I'm scared. (laughs) It's hardy warty. (laughs) Hardy warty. Not hardy warty. Hardy party. Okay. So we're going to talk about real quick Max Planck, classical physics, and the birth of quantum mechanics. So in the late 1800s, okay, Mm. put yourself there, close your eyes. It's the turn of the century. Physicists were trying to differentiate between the behaviors of objects in the observable world, so like the world that we see every day all around us, and objects in the unobservable world, okay? Atoms, macroscopic versus microscopic. Okay. Okay, so they were trying to figure out how do all the microscopic things work? And I'm using the word object very loosely here. It can refer to everything from a dinosaur in the macroscopic world to an atom in the microscopic world, to a proton. All the objects. To an electron. All the objects. All of them. And they, these scientists, essentially started to notice that classical mechanics, or the way we knew things to work in our observable world, it just wasn't really holding up so great anymore when they tried to apply it to things in our unobservable world, like atoms and radiation. Just wasn't holding up. An example of classical mechanics would be like Newton's laws of motion. So like an object at rest stays at rest, things like that. Okay. Please tell me you understand at least those fundamental principles. I do. (laughs) I do. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, when you hit an object with force, it moves. Mm-hmm. Those types of things. And then simple when, machines. Uh, what, simple machines. It's great. We love those. Yeah, momentum. Right. Velocity. I, I got that. Okay. She Basic got it. physics. I got it. Okay, we learned about this in ninth grade. I was gonna say this. I'm honestly pretty sure. We got like a real basic lesson in this in like third grade after learning about simple machines. <laughs> we 100% did. <laughs> and these laws, they just were not holding up in certain areas. Enter Max Planck. Some people call this man Max Planck. I do not. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Some people. <laughs> Stranger I, I, Things I said his name is Max Planck. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> And yes, his name is Max. I am going to say no more on that topic. Wow. Okay. Max Planck was a German physicist who devised Planck's constant in 1900, and he actually won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1918 for his contributions to the field. Wow. Yeah. Okay. This is big shit. Because I just have to say, this is absolutely wild, but like, it's hard to like contextualize this stuff. But my great-grandmother was born in 1918 when wow. when Max Planck was winning the Nobel Prize in physics because <laughs> he discovered a revolutionary thing in physics. Like, my just my great-grandmother was, was That's born. That's not that long ago. Right? That's wild. It is wild. It's a good... I, I appreciate that context. Yeah. That's weird to think about. It was known as the most revolutionary idea that has ever shaken physics. Shaking it up shaking swear to shake it up (laughs) it was planck's discovery that kicked off the quantum revolution an entirely new field of physics wow so like this discovery basically created quantum physics it did cool yes and quantum physics and quantum mechanics are synonymous oh they are so that we know yes Let's talk about the ultraviolet catastrophe. I know that's why you're here today. That sounds very scary. It is. So we're also going to talk about the electromagnetic spectrum. Feels kind of relevant. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. We're going to go back to middle school science here. This is not meant to make you feel unintelligent. This was the hardest episode I've ever written. (laughs) This is just me saying we did learn these things, but I don't think we retained them. At least I did not. Me either. The electromagnetic spectrum is the range of all types of electromagnetic radiation. The visible light that comes from a lamp in your house and the radio waves that come from a radio station are two types of electromagnetic radiation. The other types of radiation that make up the electromagnetic spectrum are microwaves, infrared light, UV light, ultraviolet light, x-rays, and gamma rays. It's all around us at all times. All of these waves. And I really never processed that the light that we see, that visible light, is a type of radiation. But it actually, it is. Oh, yeah. I guess I never thought about that either. Yeah, it is. So I'm going to rattle off the different types of electromagnetic radiation from least to most energy. Okay? Okay. And you have a nice chart here that you can follow. So radio waves. These are the waves emitted by AM, FM radios and cell phones okay we can't see them these are not visible Mm -hmm. microwaves yes the household appliance infrared so these are human beings animals warm things 
okay yeah, yeah ovens okay. use infrared radiation to cook our food so we emit heat and therefore we emit infrared radiation cool okay visible light we all know what that is light yeah. bulbs the sun the flame on our stove emits visible light this is the light that we can see ultraviolet also the sun x-rays we know this medical imaging and gamma rays so this is like nuclear power and lightning hmm. and if you look at your little chart there you can kind of see right how all the waves are working all the longer wavelengths the larger gaps come from those am radio amateur radio all that and then the shorter the wavelengths they get really really tight at the bottom that's like gamma rays and all of that stuff okay so does that imply that the radiation is more like condensed and intense the further down you go condensed no okay intense we're gonna get there okay okay good question keep the intense though that's a good okay that's good so there's a clear difference between visible light, right, or the light that we see that our eyes can detect in something like a radio wave. We can't see those waves. Mm-hmm. Um, we also can't see the waves from our microwave ovens. We cannot see UV rays. We can't see them. We can't see gamma rays. We can't see X. We can't see these things. Visible light is very distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, electromagnetic radiation of all kinds is made up of massless particles called photons, And these photons move in waves, hence the waves that we've been talking about. The key word here is massless. Photons are just the invisible particles that make up light. They weigh nothing. Okay. Unlike atoms, which have mass and are what all matter is made of, light is not matter. Weird. Isn't that weird? That is weird. It's like a thing that we see, but it's not... Hmm. Hmm. Well, that makes sense, though, because it's not a solid, a liquid, or a gas. It's none of those things. It's not matter. It's light. Okay. Also, a quick lesson in Latin, because I know you are fluent. Of course. The word photo means light in Latin, and the word graph means related to writing. So what does the word photograph mean? Wow. Light light writing. (laughs) Writing with light. Yeah. I loved learning that when I was taking photography. Yeah. That is cool. Now, all of these photons move at the speed of light, which is 671 million miles per hour or roughly 1.1 billion kilometers per hour. Good luck fathoming that. It's fast. That's really fast. It's really fast. (laughs) Now, each photon contains a certain amount of energy. Okay. Now, the lower the amount of energy, the longer the wavelength. So, radio waves, not a lot of energy. Okay. Okay. Not a whole lot going on. And then the higher the amount of energy, the shorter the wavelength. So gamma rays, fuck ton of energy, a lot of it. Makes sense. Yeah. As the wavelengths get shorter, you can see that they build in frequency, right? They get tighter and tighter and there's more crests. Yes. Now classical electromagnetism and thermodynamics discerns a correlation between energy and temperature, okay? So the less energy the radiation has, the cooler the temperature. So. Radio waves are not hot. They have very little energy, longer wavelength, not hot. My radio is not, it's just simply not hot. That radio is not hot. It is just not hot, okay? The more energy the radiation has, the hotter the temperature. So gamma rays are sweltering. Hot as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Lightning. Very hot. Lightning. Hot, hot. Okay. Now, classical electromagnetism and thermodynamics also discerned a correlation between temperature and visibility. Mmm. Nifty. 
That is nifty. So the hotter it is, the more visible it is? Seems to make sense, right? Yeah. Seems to make perfect sense. The hotter it is, the more visible it is. That does make sense. It does, except it, it doesn't if you think really hard about our spectrum of, of radiation here. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. Mm. It doesn't make sense. We can't see UV light, right? No, we, we can't. We can't see x-rays. We can't see gamma rays. Yeah. Let's talk about visible light. <laughs> so electromagnetic, like I said, it also discerned a correlation between temperature and visibility. So when electromagnetic radiation reaches a certain temperature, it becomes visible. The light that we see from light bulbs in our houses, the sun, etc. Hot. Don't touch. Don't touch that. <laughs> Too hot. Okay. <laughs> now, the temperature at which light becomes visible to the naked eye is roughly 4,000 kelvins. I don't expect you to know what that is. I don't know what that is. Or 6,740 degrees Fahrenheit or 3,726 degrees Celsius. Wow. Hot as hell. That's That's so interesting because, like... Like, you can touch a light bulb. Like, you won't die. Yeah. I mean, it's hot. Like, you can tell it's but hot, but it's not four th- or 6,000 degrees. You're not touching the filament. The, right. No, but that's what I mean. Like, it's interesting that it can, I don't know, just like the glass can protect it that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try touching a light bulb filament. Let me know how that goes. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> so do we understand so far the correlations here? The more energy... The hotter, Mm -hmm. the shorter the wavelength, okay? Yes. The less energy, the colder, the longer the wavelength. Yes. Okay. Now, this goes even deeper when we start thinking about color, right? Red is the first color on our visible spectrum of light that we can perceive. So when you light a candle, right, we can see that light, but it is glowing red and orange and yellow. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Violet is the last color on the visible spectrum. When we light up our gas stoves, the flame glows blue. Okay, so we can see, but it's hotter. Blue flame is hotter than red flame. Right. So we can see the correlation between temperature and color. That's really interesting because when we think of what we would consider cool colors and warm colors, mm. is it's reversed. It is reversed. Like you think of greens and blues and purples as the cool colors. Yeah. And, and then red. you think of and yeah, red and orange and yellow. Warm. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's, it's the opposite. So mm. the redder something is, as far as he, like heat is concerned, the cooler it is and the hotter it is, the, the bluer or more violet it is. Okay. Also, remember how I mentioned that human beings emit infrared radiation? Yes. Well, this is just heat up to a certain temperature. So we, as human beings, are pets, right? Mm-hmm. We are not hot enough to just glow. That'd be pretty cool. We don't glow. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> we just don't. We're not hot enough to emit visible light. We are Speak just simply yourself. not. Oh, sorry. I forgot Amanda's <laughs> glowing. <laughs> but if you use like night vision goggles, those types of that type of technology is designed to detect infrared light. How we doing? Are we okay? I'm okay. As okay as I could hope to be, I think. Okay. All right. If you need me to stop at any point, just let me know. Okay. So there are some types of objects that emit several types of electromagnetic radiation at the same time. And these objects are labeled black bodies. Can you think of an example of things that emit black body radiation? Think of our spectrum. We have all of the things on the spectrum from radio waves to gamma rays. Black body objects are objects that emit multiple different types of 
this type of radiation or multiple types of electromagnetic radiation. Sorry. I don't know, man. But it's good that you're quizzing me to make sure that I'm on board. I'm still here. (laughs) Hanging on by a thread. (laughs) So the sun. The sun is a black body um, object. Yeah. And that's because he mostly emits infrared light, right? We get heat. He also emits visible light. We can see the light from the sun. Very true. And UV light. We know that if we stand out in the sun for too long, we're going to get crispy and burned. Our skin is going to burn. (laughs) Yes, it is. And I think we tend to think of radiation, like the word, in a negative context, right? Mm -hmm. Don't we think of it like like nuclear radiation, right? Right, like dangerous. Like when, like dangerous. But anything that radiates, that's radiation. So my my light bulb emitting light, it is radiation. That light is radiation. It's not killing me. It's just light. It's radiant. Yeah. Same thing with radios. Like it is emitting radiation but we're not dying from the radio waves that that are going through the atmosphere at all times if that were true i probably would have died a long time ago from staring into my microwave like a baby (laughs) yeah but also like our phones that's emitting radio like radiation the microwaves themselves that's a different kind of radio like it's all radiation Mm -hmm. at different wavelengths so back to the sun and black bodies so the sun emits Three types of radiation, mostly. Like I said, infrared light, so the heat that we feel from it, visible light, the light that we can see, and then UV light. We can't see or feel that. It's invisible. And this is known as the black body spectrum. So we have our larger spectrum, which goes from radio to gamma, but then we also have the black body spectrum, which goes just from infrared to UV. So it's just the three middle wavelengths, and you can go back and look, okay? The top little graph is a little bit better. It's a little bit easier to see. Infrared through ultraviolet is just the black body spectrum. Okay, got it. Got it? I see. And the sun also emits the other types of radiation, but at less than 1%. So like incremental gamma rays, incremental Mm. x-rays. So I guess not, not enough to count. Right. A stove emits radiation on the black body spectrum, right? Because when we light up our... (laughs) Oh, the pilot light. Yeah, the, like the, the things like that. Things that glow yeah. are black bodies, okay? Okay. Yeah, so pretty much anything that glows when hot is a black body. So if you take a metal poker, okay, and you stick it in the fl- in a flame, and then the metal poker starts to glow red, that's a black body. And then you just stab your boyfriend's little brother with it in the side. Exactly. To get him to stop strangling your mother-in-law. Yeah, right after you touch the filament in a light bulb. Yes, <laughs> perfect but yeah light bulb filaments those are black bodies they emit light when they reach a certain temperature all black bodies we are surrounded by them they are everywhere inside this light (laughs) the sun okay we understand now according to classical electromagnetism and math just math (laughs) (laughs) these black bodies should emit infinite amounts of uv light hmm so didn't you say, like, shouldn't these things just increase in intensity the higher they go up on the spectrum? Yeah. Right? The shorter the wavelength, the hotter, the more intense. Right. Okay? Yeah. As the wavelengths got smaller, the prediction, the mathematical prediction, was that the intensity of UV radiation would just grow and grow. It would just keep going up and up and up and up and up. Okay? That makes sense the to me. The intensity just keeps growing. Yeah, obviously. But if this was the case... We would be able to sit next to our toasters and get a tan, which we simply cannot do. 
That'd be great. But we can't do it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. No. So the scientists in the early 1900s were like, hold the new invention called a phone. <laughs> um, I am trying to suntan next to my toaster and it is not working. Wow. Something tells me they didn't have toasters in 1900, but I could be wrong. I Googled it. They did. It did was really? like 1897. They were like three years old, these toasters. Wow. And yep. <laughs> they were probably the a billion dollars each. <laughs> And this is this is the ultraviolet catastrophe. Why weren't the ultraviolet rays just getting more and more intense, right? The hotter the objects got and the shorter the wavelengths got. If everything is going up in intensity, why isn't our stove giving us a suntan? Why aren't we being blasted with UV light, UV radiation, just when we go sit next to our light bulbs? It wasn't happening. I'm really glad that that's not the case. Me too. Me too. The math was just not mathing. And the scientists were like, what in God's name is going on here? Because all of the classical theory that they were basing all of these predictions off of failed right at this point. Wow. Isn't that wild? That really is. And it's it's really strange. Like, to think that something that all these like leading scientists and and physicists and stuff were like, yeah, this makes perfect sense, and then they all find out that it's not true. Yep, to a fault. It only made sense to a fault. And wow. everything that I read and watched was like, when your theories stop matching your observations, aka when you're not getting a suntan from your toaster, but all of the calculations are telling you that you should be, you know, there's something wrong with the theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's the ultraviolet catastrophe, is what the hell is happening. There's an inconsistency here. As you said, these things should just be growing in intensity, and they do not. That's fascinating. Isn't it? Isn't it kind of wild? It is. Yeah, so Planck and some other scientists found a plot hole in classical electromagnetism not dissimilar to the numerous plot holes in season three of Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad we didn't get an, a new like physics principle out of that for real so do you have any questions before we move on to what Planck's constant actually is because we haven't gotten there yet we haven't um no I, I no now that you've like gotten to this part I, I get what's happening okay so and far. I think if there's okay I think if there's one thing that I could say before I go further is just that we we can understand how our everyday lives are impacted by the electromagnetic spectrum, right? Between the radio and the cell phone and mm -hmm. us just emitting heat as human beings and the visible light that we see every day from our light bulbs and the sun. And when I need to go have a mammogram, I go get medical imaging done, right? And then there's a thunderstorm and there's lightning. Electromagnetic spectrum is everywhere. It is everywhere, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Planck's constant. So the question that Planck ended up answering completely by accident, mind you, didn't realize he was doing this, was why doesn't my toaster give me a suntan? That's it. That was the, <laughs> you know, when you have to like make up like a scientific question and then yes. like make a hypothesis. The question was, why doesn't my toaster give me a suntan? He was in his lab class and they were like, all right, Planck, <laughs> give us a question. <laughs> no, it was more like, why do these black bodies, aka all these things that glow when they reach a certain temperature, the sun, light bulb, filament, mm -hmm. why do these black bodies not emit infinite amounts of UV radiation 
as classical electromagnetism insists that they should. Yes. Why isn't this properly behaving? What happened here? And like I said, Mr. Planck did not did this entirely by accident. He was actually trying to figure out why heat moves from hot objects to cold objects. Seems pretty cool. We're not going to get into that today. No, no thermodynamics an, today. Nope. We already did a little bit of it. But by answering this question, Planck actually figured out why we don't get suntans from our toaster ovens. Planck determined in his actual experiments with heat that the energy that is emitted by atoms and in turn by anything made up of atoms, so literally everything, but also the waves of electromagnetic radiation that we've been talking about, which we know are not made of atoms. What are they made of? Uh, Photons. Photons cannot be just released continuously okay hence why our toaster ovens are absolute are not absolutely blasting us with uv radiation so let's do this again without all that in between stuff the energy that is emitted by atoms photons is not just continuous amounts of energy all the time okay, okay? and i have a couple of metaphors coming up that can help us wrap our brains around what the hell i just said now if something is not continuous it is quantized, okay? Hence, quantum mechanics. Okay, makes sense. Another, another Latin lesson is coming up. Now, the word quantum is derived from the Latin word quanta, which means quantity or amount. Hmm. Yeah. Now, in quantum mechanics, the word quantum specifically refers to quantities or amounts of energy. And energy is such a weird word. Isn't it such a weird word? It is. It refers to a lot of things. It does. Like, we can think of energy in so many ways, but scientifically, at its, like, most fundamental level, the one definition that I found that I really liked was the ability to do work. Okay. Yeah. Okay? Things are just up to shit. Atoms are doing shit. Photons are... All this shit is just doing shit all the time. It's busy. It is. It's busy. That's what it is. It's just busyness. So... I don't want us to think of energy as like a, f- it's not a fuel necessarily. Okay. It's, yeah, it's more yeah. like a, yeah, you get what I'm saying, right? Like a, like a, I was going to say like a potential energy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You think that's funny? When I tried to like really narrow down what energy means scientifically, it always just defined it with the word energy. And I was like, you're not helping. <laughs> you're not helping me understand. You know, energy, is, it's energy. It's just energy. It's a force. I don't know how to describe yeah. it. But anyway, in quantum mechanics, the word quantum refers to amounts of energy, quantum quantity Makes of energy, right? And these amounts or quantities are tiny, itty-bitty, inconceivable, itty-bitty, tiny, incremental babies. Are they little? They're small. <laughs> <laughs> now, what this means is that energy is released in increments or amounts. Energy is quantized. We understand that, right? Mm-hmm. The best analogy that I saw for this was if your sink could only give you eight ounces of water at a time, instead of just turning the sink on and getting a continuous flow of water, you get eight ounces, eight ounces, eight ounces, eight ounces. It's like those sinks in high school bathrooms. I I visit high schools a lot for my job. And sometimes the bathrooms, they have the ones where you just push the button on the, the faucet. And it just mm-hmm. releases some water, and then you have to yes. take your wet, soapy hands and press the stupid button again. Perfect. That is exactly, <laughs> that is great. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So the energy that is emitted by atoms and photons, this energy is quantized. It's not continuous. It's not just flowing and flowing and flowing. Another good analogy that I found was thinking of this in the context of sugar. Okay. So we add sugar to our coffee, one cube of sugar at a time versus just pouring sugar into the coffee. Okay. Got it? Yes. Okay. Now with cubes... There are no in-between amounts. It's just one cube, two cube, three cube. Right. Okay. Whereas with a sugar dispenser, you can just pour to your heart's content. Yes. Yes. And it can be like the equivalent of three and a half cubes. Whereas with the cubes themselves, you couldn't do that. Exactly. Perfect. And again, I'm just going to take it back to energy because that's actually what we're talking about. We are not talking about sugar. The energy that is emitted by atoms and photons, things at the molecular level, okay, Mm -hmm. tiny itty bitties, it's not just released in a flow, it is not on a continuum, it is released in increments. Okay. 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 So we still don't know what Planck's constant is, do we? I I think I get, it's like, like a unit of measurement almost. In a weird way. Yeah. But, okay. So we have our sugar cubes, right? And we're adding them to our cup of coffee. And with each sugar cube, we add four grams of sugar to our coffee. Okay. Okay. One sugar cube means four grams. Two sugar cubes means eight grams. Three sugar cubes means 12 grams. Multiplication. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Planck's constant is just the grams. Okay. It is constant. No matter how many sugar cubes I add to my coffee... I will always be increasing the amount of sugar in my coffee by four grams upon the addition of each cube. Right. Does it make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Isn't that the same thing? Like, with the sugar cubes, every cube is four Four grams. grams. Right. Yep. And in this case, it would be every cube is a Planck's constant? Is that (laughs) what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Yes. Every cube is... You heard it here first, folks. Every cube is a Planck's constant. I'm so good at physics. We're not talking about coffee anymore. So in science, Planck's constant is the universal constant of how much the energy of a photon increases when the frequency of an electromagnetic wave increases. So all those waves of radiation that we spoke about, they build up more and more energy, remember? Mm-hmm. We're going from radio, not a lot of energy, down to microwave, gamma. down all the way to gamma, where we have a lot, a lot of energy, okay? Mm-hmm. The waves are getting shorter. There are more and more crests to the waves. With each new crest, a specific amount of energy is added to a photon, okay? So the wave crest is to sugar cube, as Planck's constant is to grams of sugar, as photon is to coffee. <laughs> okay. Does it make sense? Sort of? Wait, wait. Okay. The wave crest is to sugar cube. <laughs> okay. So the wave crest is a new, is a, is a new increment. Okay. okay? Yes. We add a sugar cube. So we add a wave crest to our wavelength. And then... Planck's constant is to how much gets added upon the addition of each cube or crest. Four grams of sugar, right? Yes. Per cube. Okay. And the photon 
is what the energy is being added into or the grams of sugar are being added into the coffee. Right. Okay. 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 So we're adding energy or yeah, energy to photons. Yes. Great. Okay. And the more wave crests there are, okay, you add more energy per to each photon at a constant amount. Mm-hmm. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So with each new crest of a wave, 6.626070004 of energy is added to a photon. But why is there no unit of measurement? It's a, it's a math equation. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's all a math equation. So you have to like take... That. You have to take Planck's constant is just that that number there. That 6.626070004. That's yes. just the that's just the number of grams per sugar per cube. Okay. Okay? So when you multiply the number of wave crests per that number right there that is unchanging, that is constant. There will always be 4 grams of sugar per sugar cube. Yes. And then you multiply that, right? Mm-hmm. By the frequency of the waves. Or how many that's, cubes you put in. Yeah, how many cubes you put in. That's <laughs> okay. Planck's constant. So like radio waves, there's only like two crests really, really far apart down there. Yeah. So that number at the beginning would be two times whatever Planck's constant is, that number, times the, the distance between the waves. Yeah. So <laughs> when you do the math, which we're not going to do, the higher Ever. up on the spectrum you go with that equation, which is which has Planck's constant spank in the middle of it just that number that consistent number that four grams of sugar yeah i think i get that yeah so it's just that it's just Planck's constant itself like if we want to bare bones it is just that consistent number the amount of energy that will always be i don't want to use the word transmitted but it's it's the amount that will be added to a photon yes upon each crest of a wave Yeah. yeah that's what it is you okay. will always add four grams of sugar to your coffee with one cube yes. of sugar. And always one Planck's constant. <laughs> always one Planck's constant, <laughs> for sure. So that's Planck's constant. I did not have any idea that it had anything to do with electromagnetism. Me either. I didn't realize that it had to do with measuring electromagnetic radiation and how is it that we aren't blasted by uv radiation when we turn on our ovens all right so let's talk about quantum mechanics now that our brains are mush my understanding of quantum mechanics on a scale of like one to five is probably about a two i'm not a total newbie but i'm very far from being an expert Mm -hmm. i think the bigger thing that we need to take away from Planck's constant is that that particular piece of information can be applied on the molecular scale not just to light but also to matter so atoms operate in the same way okay there can only be so much energy transmitted between at like in that context on that molecular level at a time things are given things are coming in cubes in packets in increments okay okay so that's what we need to understand to kind of transition into quantum mechanics is that now we're talking about things on a like on an atomic and like a Mm subatomic level we're not talking about photons anymore which are not matter right in a nutshell, quantum mechanics attempts to explain the tiny itty-bittiest things in our universe, such as molecules, atoms, subatomic particles, how they behave, where they are, what they're doing, if they're meeting at Enzo's for dinner or not. And our entire <laughs> existence is made up of these things. 
Everything is made up of this shit. So quantum mechanics is literally trying to explain the nature of the universe. Wow. Sorry. It's a big job. It is. (laughs) Poor quantum mechanics. I hope it's paid well. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So we spoke about that unobservable world earlier. It Mm -hmm. is the fabric of our actual world. We don't see it, but nothing would exist without it. Yeah. Yeah. And just a quick sidebar in case it's been a very long time since you have been in any kind of physical science class, subatomic particles are the particles that make up atoms. So we have atoms, but then we have their electrons and the neutrons and the protons. Right. The tinier of the tiny. And all of these tiny things are constantly emitting energy in one way or another. And as I said, energy is the ability to do work. It doesn't mean fuel necessarily. Right. And these atoms and molecules and protons and photons are always up to something. Now, where this starts to get a little weird is that quantum mechanics does not think of these objects as particles. Like, when I think of an atom, I visualize a tiny dot, mm-hmm. right? An itty-bitty dot, a speck. It's probably round. Yeah, that's, Same thing when I... That's how it looked on all the little diagrams we would get in science class. Perfect, perfect thing to say. Yeah. You're, you're going to see how confusing this all gets. Okay, great. Yeah, and this is, I would say, pretty much across the board, the same thing when I try to picture a proton, because that's something I do very often. I just daydream about protons. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? Right, obviously. (laughs) It's just a little round speck, a tiny particle, like a grain of sand. Yeah. Quantum mechanics does not imagine these objects as particles. I'm sorry. Oh, no. (laughs) They imagine them as waves. (laughs) Okay. And I'm going to explain why. Oh. I'm going to explain why. Okay. Okay. So when you think of an atom from now on, I don't want you to think of a tiny speck. I want you to think of a little a little wave. More like a sound wave, not like an ocean wave. Okay. Like some squig- like a squiggly line with an up and then a down and then an up and then a down. A valley and a peak and a valley and yeah. a peak. Okay. Okay. We get it. And physicists use these waves to plot out where these teeny tiny objects are in space and how fast or slow they are moving. Mm, Okay, okay, I get that. Okay, so we're going to talk about position, not the Ariana Grande song. It came to my mind. (laughs) Yeah. So scientists do some fun math. Again, we're back to the math that I'm not going to explain to find out roughly where the atom is located on the wave itself. Okay? And the peaks of the wave are where the atom likely is. Mm. Okay, so we're trying to pinpoint where this atom is on our ta- on our desk. And we're like, where the fuck is this atom? Well, we don't know for sure. We're gonna we're gonna say, okay, maybe it's a wave, and it's probably on the peak of the wave, not in the valley. Okay, it is highly probable that it is on the peaks and not the waves. Okay, the peaks of the waves are where the atom likely is, and the valleys of the waves are where the atom likely is not. Make right. sense? Yeah. Okay. This is called the probability distribution, with the peaks representing high probability locations and the valleys representing low probability locations. Now, we can see why this is all necessary, because we have no idea where the hell any of these atoms actually are at any given moment. We cannot know for sure where these atoms are. They're too small, too tiny. Too little and unpredictable. For sure. Like hamsters. Exactly. Like (laughs) hamsters. Just like hamsters. Just I didn't understand quantum (laughs) mechanics until you said, like hamsters. Of course. And now it all has come together. So glad to be a mentor. Are you ready for this nonsense that I'm about to spew? I haven't been ready for any of this. Okay. 
Now, herein lies the problem. Oh, boy. Wait, we're just getting to the problem now? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it makes sense to think about the fact that there is a high probability that something is somewhere. Yes. Yep. They're going somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're going somewhere. Thanks, Sneeve Harrington. (laughs) What happens if it is highly probable for an atom to be in multiple places because there are multiple peaks on this wave function hmm hmm don't know you get what i'm saying though about how the wave function can have multiple peaks so there are multiple spots where it could be right yes it is highly probable for it to be in a couple of these spots the atom we're talking about atoms not hamsters not hamsters not hamsters though they are similar they are (laughs) (laughs) we understand can be confusing (laughs) now like i said if it is highly probable for this atom to be in multiple places who says it's not in multiple places physics i don't know it feels like things can't be in multiple places at once but who says i don't know it's highly probable that they could be i thought that was the rules nope (laughs) i make the rules around here i make my own rules I think the best way I can describe this in layman's terms is probably if we go to the beach and bring home with us a single grain of sand, we know that the grain of sand is very likely somewhere between our toes, okay? But we can't say exactly where because it's small. Yeah. It's just as probable that it's between my big toe and my second toe as it is that it could be between my fourth toe and my pinky toe. This reminds me of like, you ever have an itch that you can't find? Yeah. Like, it, you know it's, like, on your hand somewhere. Yes. But you just, like, you can't track it down. I love that. That is wonderful. Thank you. That is so good. Queen of analogies. Queen of analogies. At uh, hamsters. Yes. Um, itches. Mystery itches. <laughs> sugar cubes. Yes. So this is just the position of the stupid atom. We haven't even gotten to how fast it's going. Okay? Oh, my God. All we know is that it's somewhere, somewhere. It's more likely that it's here than it's there, but it's equally likely that it could be in both places. But we don't know how fast it's going. Whoa. Yeah. So let's talk about momentum. Hold on. Have we ever considered that atoms, like, don't want us following them around? (laughs) Like, who cares where they're going? Just leave them. They're just being evasive on purpose. Like, maybe they don't want to be caught. I mean, that's really a good point. Maybe we all leave them alone. This is, like, kind of dangerous behavior on our part as, like, scientists. I know like was was there an ethics thing done here do do the atoms know they're being observed (laughs) oh all right momentum now the gaps between the peaks and valleys indicate the particles momentum so how fast or slow it is going is this atom going fast is it going slow wherever that it's going the wider the gap the less momentum so the slower the particle okay Mm -hmm. And the narrower the gap, the more momentum. So the faster the particle. So you can kind of see now why we need to imagine these particles as waves and not just specks because their behavior is just all over the map. They are just rogue. They are. Chaotic and unpredictable. We cannot know exactly what's going on with these itty bitty objects. We can only figure out the probability of what's going on. And since multiple highly probable scenarios can exist at the same time, who says they can't all be true? Thank you. I hate this sounds like many worlds it really does yeah 
So quantum mechanics is how we understand the invisible world of molecules, atoms, subatomic particles, and photons. Okay. And like I said, in quantum mechanics, we do not visualize these tiny objects as specks. We try to visualize them as waves to get a general understanding of their whereabouts and how fast they're going there. Wow. And nothing is exact about this at all. It is just conjecture and probability. I hope that makes you feel secure. Wow. Um, I love science. (laughs) Science. (laughs) Now, let's think about two realms here. Okay. The quantum realm where these objects exist as wave functions so this is why we're, we're, we're picturing them as waves. And then the physical realm where we know these objects are specks. Okay. They're invisible particles. That's how we, we envision them. So we have mm-hmm. the quantum realm and our realm, waves versus specks. Now, if I'm understanding this correctly, these particles behave as we have been discussing, okay, in the quantum world. But when scientists actually go to try and measure them, they appear as specks so they are behaving as waves but appearing as specks why do they know they're being observed (laughs) and changing their behavior accordingly so maybe i was right about the ethics study (laughs) maybe should have asked them first because it seems like they don't want to be watched yeah they're like they're they're putting on a disguise when we actually see them they are like oh don't look at me (laughs) i'm a circle So this is why, I don't know if you've heard this term, but this is why they say the wave function collapses. Yes. Yes. This was like a big part of the many worlds theory too. Yeah. So that's why they say that because the behavior versus the actual measurement is just not adding up. When we, when we Hmm. observe them, they look like specs, etc. But when we analyze them, they behave like waves. Okay. Is it possible that they, they're specs, but they're like... Like, the waves that are being observed or, I don't know, whatever, are just, like, the path that the specks are following. Like, it's not actually a wave. It's just a speck moving along a, a track of a wave. I, I don't know if the waves are real. Okay, they're not. Okay, okay. No, that's just how we understand their their location in space based on the probability. Are they on this peak? They could be on any one of these peaks. Gotcha. And then their speed is how long the wavelength is, the space between the valleys and the peaks. Right. Okay. Okay. So the waves are not literal. Don't think of them as like a track. Okay. That makes sense. So the wave function collapsing, I think another way that we can think of this is like falling apart, like the behavior not matching the measurement. Mm. And I'm picturing this like a cheese grater, right? (laughs) Like the cheese goes from whole cheese to shredded cheese. And that in-between phase is the integrity of the cheese collapsing. Okay. And I'm just really sorry out there, you know, to all the scientists, if this is the opposite of a helpful analogy, but this is the best I could do to try and wrap my brain around a wave function collapsing. It works, I think. I think so, too. (laughs) And like I said, to make matters worse, no one has been able to figure out how particles go from behaving as waves to appearing as specks. Literally, no one knows. It is a mystery. Imagine if we didn't understand how a cheese grater worked. That's what this is. (laughs) Same thing same thing exactly (laughs) all right so let's talk about some fun quantum mechanics terms that you may or may not have heard superposition superposition is what we talked about already but we didn't use this term it is the concept of that atom existing in multiple locations okay because multiple highly probable locations exist at the same time there are many peaks on the wave function right okay okay quantum entanglement i like this one i don't 
I don't know if I like it because of what it means. I think I just like the term. Yeah, it's funny. I like it. Entanglement just means that we have two particles whose wave functions have gotten all mixed up. So anything you do to one particle will impact the other one. Hmm. Kind of like a voodoo doll. Oh, yeah. Or the hive mind. The hive mind. Yeah. But my understanding is that this entanglement can happen across like infinite infinite amounts of space. So you can have like atoms billions of miles kilometers away Mm -hmm. that are entangled and one thing you do to this atom will impact that atom or one thing you do to this proton will impact that one cool quantum entanglement okay okay the uncertainty principle this is my favorite thing now remember how i said that the peaks and the valleys of our waves help us determine the location of the particle Mm -hmm. okay so if it is it is highly likely that it is in these spots those are the peaks It is not very likely that it is in these spots. Those are the valleys. Right. Okay. And the lengths of the waves help us determine the particle's momentum. So how fast it's going or slow it's going. Well, it turns out you can know the particle's exact location, but this knowledge compromises knowing its momentum. Hmm. Because if you know its exact location, how many peaks are there on the wave function? There's only one. There's only one. But so then what happens? You have nothing to measure it against. Yeah. There's there's no gaps between the waves because there's no waves. Right. So you have no idea how fast it got there. Exactly. So you know where it is, but mm-hmm. you have no idea how fast it's going. Interesting. Yeah. And turns out you can know how fast it's going, but then you cannot know where it is. Because all the because waves are the same. Are the same, which means you have an infinite number of peaks at the same height. So there's literally no way of knowing where it is. Nope. Wow. And the quote that I want to end this entire episode with, we have talked about Planck's constant. We have talked about electromagnetism and thermodynamics a bit. And we've done a lot of math and talked about hamsters. (laughs) The quote that I want to end with is, you can only know certain things precisely, but not everything. That's great. And that's where I max out on this topic. (laughs) yay so like on a scale of one to ten what would you say your understanding now is of these things uh i'd say i was at a zero before pretty much and i'd say i'm like i feel like i'm at like a four or five somewhere in there that's not bad you know with 10 being like an expert yeah like 10 like i fully understand this stuff and i could lecture yeah no Nowhere near okay. that. But I think I'm, yeah, may- maybe even six. Maybe, no, that's pushing it. But I think like four or five, and that's not, no fault of yours. I just have no idea what's going on when it comes to physics or math ever. No. This, this was, was intense. It was intense. But I think you did a great job of making it make sense. Thanks. I hope that we feel that way when we <laughs> listen to our episode back. and Same. We tried our best. We sure did. We always do. We always do. And I think I made it make sense. I think I came away with this with somewhat of an understanding of what the hell is going on. Yeah, me too. Just know that all of this is happening all around us all the time. And there's nothing we can do about it. The end. The end. It explains everything, which is just (laughs) wild. Like everything. I think it's too big for our brains. Literally. I I get very overwhelmed by like the ocean and space both freak me out so much because I like cannot conceptualize Mm -hmm. the vastness. 
mm-hmm. you know and this is this is kind of like that so i think you did a great job of like narrowing it down enough to get a good understanding thank you and i hope that the next time you make a coffee and you're putting sugar in it <laughs> you understand that that is a continuous flow of sugar and that is not how energy works that's all you need to know that's all you need to know <laughs> energy is given to us in tiny little packets well thank you marina that was amazing and i feel like a physicist now thank you that was my promise that i made <laughs> you did all right everybody thank you for listening to another thank curiosity you. door episode we're nearing the end of season three of the podcast oh and and of the series Wow. Which is wild. So um, again, tune in to our watch party for Battle of Starcore on September 1st, 7 p.m. Eastern. Please tune in. We would love to have you. And uh, till next time, stay strange. Stay strange. To keep in touch and stay informed, join us on our Starcourt Study Hall Discord server and follow us on Instagram at Starcourt Study Hall. 